Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 317. Holy moly. Today we're talking about how mindfulness helps me. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast, now with over a million downloads. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you've calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Mindful Mama podcast. This is a mindful parenting bite, and it's to kind of help you understand what a life as a mindful parent, you know, is like and how we can kind of move towards that and things like that. And so I thought it might be helpful for you to hear about how mindfulness helps me. And I'm going to tell you about my story with mindfulness and a little bit about how it it really helps. So every morning I wake up and I get out of bed around 6.30 in the morning And the first thing I do is I splash some water on my face or at first I get up, I put my feet on the ground and I silently say thank you to the universe no matter what state I'm waking up in. And sometimes it's, it's, I wake, I've often had, you know, nightmares and sometimes I wake up anxious and, but I put my feet on the ground, I say thank you and uh, splash some water on my face and I go and my 14 year old is already up. She has to get the bus super early. So I go, I get up and I 
talk to her for a bit. I hug her goodbye. And then I do my meditation practice. And so I go and I read from a book. Lately, it's been Everyday Blessings by Thich Nhat Hanh, a every day of the year kind of passage book. And I do about a 20-minute meditation. And lately, it's been a guided meditation. I've been really enjoying the meditations on the Plum Village app and the Tara Brock meditations on the Insight Timer app. But anyway, I do my meditation. I do it almost every single day. Even on the weekends, I'll do a five-minute meditation or I'll just, you know, sit for a few minutes. But I do my meditation certainly every weekday. And I have now for 16 years. (laughs) And this is an incredibly important part of my day. And this morning I sat in my meditation and I'm in, uh, I don't know, you know, like it's a gray, funky day out. It was dark out. I just was like kind of in a funky place feeling, I'm a highly sensitive person. I'll tell you a little more about that, but I'm feeling, you know, some, just a little anxiousness in my body. And I sat with that. And as I sat with that, I breathed. And in the meditation process, what I'm doing is I'm just recognizing and allowing whatever's there, including the, maybe the little tight sensations in my chest and all of that. And I'm allowing it to be there, just making space for it. I'm just sitting with it, not actively trying to make it go away or anything. And I, and at the end of those 20 minutes, I'm really, I'm in a different space with it. I'm in a place where I'm, you know, I'm feeling much more at peace, much more calm, much more relaxed. And then I go have breakfast and I walk my younger daughter to her bus stop with the dog this morning. And then I come back. And the reason why mindfulness is such a hugely important part of my life is because I've always been a highly sensitive person. And if you don't know what that is, I recommend you check out episode number 296. We recently did a replay of Is Your Child Highly Sensitive with Julie B. Elland? But, you know, HSB, highly sensitive person, is basically a term for people who thought are thought to have an increased or deeper central nervous system sensitivity, right, to physical stimuli, emotional stimuli, social stimuli, right? And basically, (laughs) I don't know about you, but all my life, (laughs) my people have been describing me as being too sensitive, right? A person, it's, it's, it's definitely a personality trait that brings both strengths and challenges. But basically, you know, there are some characteristics or traits common to HSPs. Here are a few of them, which I think is so fascinating because they are all of mine. (laughs) Avoiding violent movies and TV shows because they feel too intense and leave you feeling unsettled. That's totally me. I cannot watch any horror movies. I will not watch The Wire. I'm sorry. Even if you tell me how good it is forever, I'm not going to just put myself in a place where I want to feel anxious. I won't watch any of that stuff. Being deeply moved by beauty as expressed in art, nature, the human spirit, (laughs) you know, that's definitely me. Being overwhelmed sometimes by sensory stimuli like noisy crowds, bright lights, uncomfortable clothing, totally me, yep. Feeling the need for downtime, not just a preference, especially when you have hectic days and having a rich and complex inner life. So those kind of sound like good things, right? Complete with deep thoughts and strong feelings that go with it. So that has been me my whole life. And what has meant for me is that 
I feel things really deeply and I would be like on a roller coaster of emotions. Like sometimes I'd be really up. And so sometimes my friends sometimes know me as like super enthusiastic and sometimes I have a lot of energy and all that. But then when I was younger, especially my downs, I would go really, really down and I would like kind of fall into a pit of despair or depression for a couple days, like every every week almost, like something could kind of send me into that. And I've been like that, like my whole life. I've told this story before, but I do remember when I was like really young, like 10 or 11, being in my bedroom, my dad was rubbing my back and I had been crying and just feeling things so intensely. And he was rubbing my back and he was telling me, because he's the highly sensitive person too, that he was kind of consoling me, which was really nice, but he basically said to me that life is going to always be this way and it's just your artistic nature. And I was like, oh, great, thanks. <laughs> but he was right. <laughs> and I really did struggle with these intense, this insensitive, this sensitivity and these tense feelings and falling into these pits. So by the time I was a teenager, I was seeking out help. I really wanted something to help me. One of the first things I started to focus on was gratitude. I got an amazing book about gratitude. God, it was pink. What the name what was the name of it? It was amazing. But that led me to looking at my local bookstore at Be Here Now Books, Bristol, Rhode Island, which no longer exists, that bookstore. It's so sad. But at books about mindfulness, I started to read, I started to study, and I started to learn things. And so I started reading about mindfulness as a like maybe 16-year-old and kept reading and kept studying for a long time. And I discovered my teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh. And you know, maybe I read books for like a decade probably before I actually was able to do my own meditation practice. I did a yoga teacher training and then I was finally able to do my own sitting meditation practice in the mornings. And for me, it was after like a few months of doing this, I just look, looked at my life. First, I thought it wasn't working. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm just sitting here thinking the whole time. Like this is, I'm like, oh, this is so frustrating. I'm not doing, what is this isn't working? I can't do this. All those thoughts we have. But I looked at the rest of my life and that's what we have to do with our meditation practice. We don't look at like the practice itself to see if it's working. We look at the rest of our life and the, in the rest of my life, I hadn't fallen into any of those pits I fell into for like, at that point, 27 years of my life. It was a game changer. It was a huge, huge game changer. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. 
I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. That's what mindfulness, how mindfulness helps me is that it really gives me this level of equanimity and ability to ride the emotional waves that come with being a highly sensitive person. I'm able to tolerate so much more and I'm also able to stop the rumination that pulls us into like a downward spiral. I'm able to interrupt that, which is really amazing. And so for me, it was such a game changer. It allowed me to do so many more things that I wasn't able to do before because I used to have like panic attacks in the parking lot of the high school where I was an art teacher. And now I can do a lot, you know, a lot more public speaking and lead retreats and classes and do this podcast and all these things. So And that's the thing about mindfulness is like, it's hard to be human, you know? It's really hard to be human. It's hard for all of us. Our brains are wired for survival. You know, as humans, our brains are wired for survival. We've evolved to survive. All our ancestors were the ones who had the traits that allow them to survive and reproduce. So our brains are wired for that, right? So we're constantly on the lookout for threats to our survival because it's much, much more important to be aware of the dangers, right? Like, because if you don't look out for them and you, I don't know, step on a poisonous snake or something and like, you know, game over, right? Like death is a huge, the biggest threat we have. And so those who were incredibly attuned to threats were able to avoid them and pass on their genes. So we have this because of that, we have this big negativity bias. So we're, we're always, look, you know, we're on the lookout for threats. And that's just how all of us are wired. It's just how humans are wired. The brain scientists say that our brains are like Velcro for the negative and Teflon for the positive because it's just so much more important for us to put our attention there or has been. And basically, we're in the same bodies. We're the same evolved human beings as we were 100,000 years ago. So, or maybe 30,000 years ago, but still a very long time ago, even though we're not like hunting and gathering, we're still the same brain and the same bodies, right? Who are still on the lookout for threats, even though we live in a modern state, much, 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 much safer society, right? So, we have this negativity bias. We're also 
since we're wired for survival, we're also worried about approval or fitting in with the tribe. And even if we don't realize it, like a lot of Americans were so Americans are so, we're so individualistic minded. Apparently they did a study on like individualism versus like collective thinking, like being part of the group. And like the United States is like the most individualistic country, like by way, way more than anyone else. It's really fascinating. So sometimes we don't like to think about this, but the truth is that we are a tribal species, homo sapiens, and fitting in with the group is part of how we survived and, you know, passed our genes on again. So we are often worried about what other people are thinking. We're worried about approval and fitting in and we may not even realize it. So our brain is like a factory for thoughts, right? Just judging and assessing all the time. It's judging and assessing our environment, other people around us, and judging and assessing ourselves so that we can avoid threats and survive. And the thing is that we filter every single thing in our lives through our brain or through our consciousness, right? Like we Every single thing that we encounter in our waking hours and even in our <laughs> dreams, we filter every everything through our brain, everything. And this is important to understand that. That's why training the mind is so important because the lens is dirty. The lens is dirty. It's got some buildup on it. And we've got a buildup of all those things that we, you know, all these like strategies for survival, right? We have a buildup of self-judgment, self-criticism. We have a buildup of unexamined beliefs passed down from our parents and society, beliefs about ourselves, about kids, right? We have a buildup of old stories about ourselves. And this is these are this buildup. These are these things that are making the lens unclear, right? We're looking through a lens that is built up all of this stuff. And we don't realize it normally. We don't realize, you know, we are just in our thoughts. We mostly believe them. They feel really important, but they are really shaped and conditioned by the way we were brought up and conditioned by our society. You know, nobody's thinking like <laughs> pure thoughts that are untainted by anything, right? Like all of our thoughts are conditioned by how we were raised, by our society, by the world we live in, what, what we see around us, right? By what is normative in the world around us. So what mindfulness helps us do, what that meditation practice that I do every morning helps us do is to clean the lens, to clean the lens so that we can start to actually see reality clearly. And one of the things we get, we start to see and how mindfulness helps me is it helps me see my thoughts, see the self-judgments and criticism, see, start to see the beliefs passed down from parents and society, see the stories I'm telling about myself. Because I start to see that thoughts, you know, are kind of virtual reality. <laughs> and when I say that and we talk about mindfulness, I want to just remind you that no, the goal of meditation practice is not to eliminate thoughts. It's totally, it's not. It's, it's just as the ears hear and the eyes see, the brain is thinking. And that's okay. That's just what the brain does. It's like, like I said, it's like a factory for thoughts. But thoughts are 
a kind of virtual reality, right? And our goal is, in fact, to see thoughts for what they are. They're words in our head. (laughs) They're images and sounds that do not actually exist in reality. They are conjured up by our brain, which is trying to predict the near future to keep you safe and alive, right? So they're not real, right? You can't touch them, smell them, see them. Well, maybe you can see them, right? They are images sometimes when you close your eyes, but when you open your eyes, you can't see them, right? So it's really important to understand that. And mindfulness helps us to see that. Oh, this is like, so instead of like our thoughts, normally without any training in mindfulness, we're like standing under a waterfall. We're standing under a waterfall. We're totally wet. We're in the water. And those thought, the waterfall is our thoughts and our thinking. What mindfulness does is helps us to step out in front of the waterfall from time to time and say, oh, look, that's a waterfall. <laughs> those are thoughts. They are virtual reality. They are words in my head. They're images and sounds that do not exist in reality. And I can choose. Mindfulness gives us the ability to choose. Are these thoughts helpful or are they not helpful? Right? Are these words conjured up by my brain helpful or not helpful? You know, so this is, I was thinking about this today as I, as I dropped Sora at the bus stop and I was, I was coming back because I'm that highly sensitive person. I was in like, it's like gray, it's really gray and really damp today. It's like a yucky day. And so what mindfulness does for me on days like this, instead of like, I can feel the feelings of of the sensitivity of my chest, of my heart area, just a little sensitive today, right? I'm feeling a little more in need for, you know, self-care and all that stuff. But what I'm not doing is because I've been working for 16 years and cleaning the lens, I'm not judging myself for my feelings. I'm not making up a story about my mental state or who I am or or anything because of this. I'm not I'm not telling a story about me, about my parents. I'm just experiencing what's there. And then as I start to notice if the my mind starts to tell a story about what I'm feeling, I can interrupt it. And I can actually say, like, that's not that helpful. And I can refocus on what really is real, refocus away from the virtual reality to what is real, right? Like I could see the changing color of the leaves of the dogwood, like that's my reality as I walked by, right? I can breathe the air, I can hear the airplane going by and all the crickets. I can feel my feet walking. And so this is what mindfulness does for me. It helps, you know, I'm a highly sensitive person. You might be too. And it's really hard to be human, no matter what kind of person you are. And so mindfulness helps us to clean the lens, to clean off that buildup of judgment, self-judgment, self-criticism, to clean off that buildup of these stories that we tell about ourselves and interrupt that pattern of rumination and accept what's here, you know, start to see and accept what's here. And when I see I'm in a highly sensitive place, I can, instead of judging myself, I can offer myself some compassion. I'm touching a hand to my heart. I can say, it's hard to be human because it is. It's hard to be human. Okay, so this is a little longer, short episode, I guess. But I just wanted to share about 
how mindfulness helps me and the power of it. You know, I'm, I've shared about all the studies and things like that in other episodes, and I'm, I'm sure I'll share them again. This is really, really helps how it helps us. The power of awareness, how it can help us to clean that lens is so, so powerful because we filter everything in our lives through our brain, and we don't want to, we want to take care of it just like we take care of our bodies, right? Exercise and things like that, and it's a practice. It's a practice. So I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope that you are having a beautiful week. Of course, mindfulness is the very first step in the mindful parenting method, right? Because of this, because we need to start to clear that lens and have some clear thinking, we need to be able to steady the heart and the mind and the nervous system. So if you're interested in that, go get on the wait list, learn more at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And I hope you're well. I hope you have some moments of peace and quiet and you take care of yourself this week because it's not selfish. It is not selfish to take care of yourself. It is actually your responsibility. And so good for you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you again soon. Namaste. So I think prior to mindful parenting, I definitely say I was very reactive with my children. As much as any parent doesn't want to admit this, I would yell at them and then I would feel really guilty afterward. I think that's where I really felt like I needed some help. I really see an ongoing change. It's been a really positive influence in our lives. Since I took the course, I've still been able to implement things that I learned through it. Even though you're, you're training and you're learning and you're studying through the eight weeks, we're still able to um, retain that information and then utilize it. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it? who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. 
This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.